Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. This is where it gets kind of strange where people are like, wait a minute, because in the next part, God's going to get mad that he went. Like, so what in the world is going on here? This is kind of where we're at in Romans, where God will let people, he just gives them over to their desire. That's what you want? All right, go. Go with what you want. It's not what's best. It's not my will. I don't recommend it. I say no, but this is what your heart is set upon. Have at it. Have at it. God gave us free will. It's an incredible risk on his part. And for a heartbreaking number of people, that risk has resulted in choosing eternal separation from him. But on the other side, this freedom allows us the opportunity for love. As Pastor James explains in today's message, we can choose to lay our lives down and follow him, or we can choose to serve self. The results of each choice are either wholeness and eternal intimacy with God, or brokenness and eternal separation from him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Numbers chapter 22, if you don't mind, if you could turn there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you guys a little article just to start this off with. AI might enable us to talk to animals soon, right? Are you guys excited about that? AI has taken over the world. Guys who are really smart with that stuff, are, some of them are scared and some of them are super excited. But here's, here's the new thing with uh, the possibility of being able to, to talk to, well, you can talk to your animals all you want, uh, but being able to understand what they're saying, Okay. It says, imagining, listen, imagine listening to chirping birds and being able to pull out your phone and decipher what they're saying to each other. Picture yourself going on a safari in Africa and following a conversation between two pair, uh, a pair of elephants. It sounds far-fetched. Think again. It's actually part of the tech-enabled future Earth Species Project, ESP, that, they, that they're setting out to build for you and for me, all right? Being able to understand your cat's innermost thoughts sounds fascinating. Actually, it sounds terrifying to me. If you're a cat person and you own a cat, I don't want to know what that cat's thinking. I, don't, I do not want to know. It's probably thinking, how can I kill this human being, right? Um, it says, the benefits of understanding animals go way beyond listening to, into a conversation between your dog and its canine buddies when they're out on a walk. The ability to decipher animal communication has direct implications for conservation and protection of our planet. So their idea is utilizing AI to have these, this translator made on your phone. We can already understand different languages, right? You can have come across somebody who speaks a different language, and they can say it in there. Google Translate will translate that for you. But pretty soon you'll have Google Translate hold it up to your dog, let him bark, and I'll tell you exactly what he's thinking. It's crazy, but this is, they seem pretty confident that they're making some good headway with this, uh, this technology. What's fascinating is that there's nothing new under the sun, okay? The, the ability to understand animals, actually, I mean, you can, if you know your animal, you can probably understand them pretty well, right? Um, they have ways of communicating with you. But in the Bible, the story we're going to talk about tonight is like the animal literally does speak to the human being. And so uh, God's like already like, oh, you guys are so behind the times, right? Uh, you, you got AI trying to come up with this. 
He's like, if I, if I want you to know what the animal is thinking, I, I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give him a mouth to talk to you. Um, so this is the story with Balaam uh, and his donkey. It's not really about Balaam and his donkey, but it's a fun, fun story out of the book of Numbers, and we're going we're gonna to cover it, the whole story, which is, covers a lot of ground. So I'm going to read fast, which is what I normally do anyways. Where we find ourselves, we are in the 40th year. The generation is dying off, and they're on the, the doorstep of the promised land. Before they get into the promised land, uh, they, they've in, encountered some battles, and they've won some battles, and that's, that's starting to circulate throughout the land. So other nations are hearing of the children of Israel and how they are gaining military victories. This is where Numbers chapter 22 comes into play. So as the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River across from Jericho, which we'll know Jericho uh, a little bit later, Balak, the son of Zippor, the Moabite king, had seen everything the Israelites did to the Amorites. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, millions of them, they were terrified. The king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, this mob will devour everything in sight, like an ox devours grass in the field. So Balak, the king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, the son of Beor, who was living in his native land of Pethor near the Euphrates River. His message said, this is his, his letter, right? Letter from the king to somebody he probably knew because they're from the same town. He says, look, a vast horde of people are arrived or has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Were they ever threatening them? No, that's a lie. Uh, they were never threatening them, okay? So he says, please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I'll be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on any people you curse. So Balak's messengers who were elders in Moab and Midian, these are two different political, two different nations, political and all that stuff coming together set out with money to pay Balaam the price to place a curse upon Israel. They went to Balaam, delivered Balak's message to him. He tells them, stay overnight. Uh, in the morning, I'll tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. All right, so let me just cover some of this stuff. Balaam was a prophet. He's not, he's not uh, Jewish. He's, he's, he's not a Hebrew prophet at all. He's Gentile, okay? He, he would have prophecies or he was, some of it's a little bit of a mixture of like sorcery type stuff and prophecy type stuff. Really strange dynamic here. But he just pops onto the scene. There are other characters in the Bible that just show up out of nowhere. Melchizedek is one of them. You find him in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is from the priestly line of Melchizedek. Jesus was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. And so his priesthood is from, the tri- or is from Melchizedek, which you're like, who's Melchizedek? Well, he showed up in Genesis just out of nowhere. And Abraham paid him a tithe. So you're like, okay, I want to know more about that guy. Well, there's not much that you can learn about him, okay? There's also Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, just shows up out of nowhere. And he gives Moses' great advice on how to manage all these Israelites. And then again, out of nowhere, here is another character that we don't know a whole lot about, but the New Testament does reference Balaam quite a bit. And he may seem like a good guy, but he's not a good guy. He's not. You have Jude. Uh, Jude is only one chapter. So Jude in verse 11 talks about Balaam. Second Peter 2, 15 through 16 talks about Balaam. And Revelation 2, 14 speaks about Balaam. And they all speak of him in a negative sense right? He was only out for profit. 
He's one of those prophets who are like, yeah, I'll show up and teach. How much are you going to pay me? That's, that's who he was, okay? Yeah, I'll come and curse some people. Here's my price, right? Um, and so they already know this. He's been very successful in to whatever extent he has done in this land because they know about him. The king knows about him. He's like, look, whoever you bless is blessed. Whoever you curse gets cursed. Somehow there was a reality behind all of this. So he's like, I need you to come and curse these people, which is a gr- really interesting dynamic to the whole spiritual, dynam- uh, spiritual dynamic of our world. Of like, well, are curses real? Well, they can be. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, because you've got, spiritual, you've got a spiritual battle going on that we're in. Okay? So do we have to be afraid of curses and all that stuff? No, because this story lets us know that if you are the Lord's, he's got you covered. You don't have to worry about what anybody says to you or about you, okay? They may try to, like, curse you. Nobody can put a curse on you because you're covered by the blood of Jesus. You're good. You're his kid, right? You can't, no, nobody can touch you in, in this sense, right? So here's the message. It goes to Balaam. Balaam's name means confuser of the people. Balak means waster. So you got waster getting together with confuser of the people, trying to come up with a plan to derail the children of Israel. Anytime you come against God's people, it never works out. It never works out. So the messengers get there. Here's, here's a, this is where the, the story gets really confusing and interesting, okay? So they brought with them some money. Balaam says, stay overnight. Let me talk to God. And he's using words here like he's talking about Adonai. He's using the right terms for God. Lord means Adonai. And then he's going to reference God as Elohim. So he knows, he knows about God. He has some sort of connection to God, but he's not like a follower of God. Okay, you can know about God, but it's a whole other thing to be connected to him in a relationship. Uh, Balaam knows all about God. Somehow he has a relationship with God, even though he's not part of the children of Israel, um, but he has heard somehow or some way about God, he knows them, and he's going to commune or talk to God. He's going to pray, and God's going to answer his prayer. And God's going to speak to this guy who has been paid, or they're trying to pay him, to go and curse God's people. So that night, verse 9, God came to Balaam and asked him, who are these men visiting you? Not because God didn't know, but God wants Balaam to understand who are they and what are they about? You've shown them hospitality. You've brought them into your house. But do you even know who they are? Do you even know what they're about? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people arrived from Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I'll be able to stand up to them and drive them from the land. He's like, well, these are who these guys are. This is the message they brought to me. And so God says to Balaam, verse 12, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. So he prays to God. God asked him a question. He responds to God, and then God tells him, don't go with them. These people are blessed, right? So that's good. It's good if the guy's heart is for the Lord. But if the guy's heart's not for the Lord, what we're going to see from the story is it's just, it's, it's the heart of, of Balaam gets exposed, Next morning, Balaam got up and told the Balak's officials, go on home, God won't let me go, right? That's what he says. Like, so you can, uh, you can tell that it's not like uh, 
It's not because he has reverence for God. It's like, oh man, I'm so bummed. I really would like that money, but God won't let me. So he has this certain amount of reverence to God where he has to tell them no, but in his communicating in the original Hebrew there, the communicating of the no, it's kind of like, look, I'm, you know, I'm glad you guys came and offered me this money, um, but man, I really want to go. I really want to be there with you guys. But God said no, so I guess I'll have to stay home. That's, that's what's happening here. It's not like a firm no. It's not like a get out of here, get out of my house. You know, It's like, oh, guys, look, I wish I could. I really wish I could, but I can't. That's, that's the exchange they had. So the Moabite officials returned to King Balak and reported Balaam refused to come with us. Balak tried again. This time he sent a large, larger number and even more distinguished officials than those he had sent the first time. They went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. It could be anything or anyone. We don't care what God told you. We need you to come here. It's kind of what they're saying. I'll pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. Balaam responded to Balak's messengers. Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord, my God. So the exchange that's happening there is like this. Um, Lay, look, even if he gave me like, a whole lot of money, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, I, what am I going to do? I can't do anything against these people. But he's, he's not saying like, no, please go away. He's communicating in a passive aggressive way of like, go get a blank check from your boss and then come back and see me. Like, I know, God, I know God's will in this story. He says no, but money talks. So bring me a blank check. It's kind of what he's saying. It's like, and he, he addresses the Lord as my God. Verse 19, he says, but stay here one more night and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. He doesn't have to go to, he doesn't need to pray about this. There's some things you need to pray for and some things you don't need to pray for because you already have your answer. So just go with the answer you have. He's like, well, let me try this again with God. Stay one more night. That night, God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them, but only, but do only what I tell you to do. So this is where it gets kind of strange, where people are like, wait a minute, because in the next part, God's going to get mad that he went. Like, so what in the world is going on here? This is kind of where we're at in Romans, where God will let people, he just gives them over to their desire. That's what you want? All right, go. Go with what you want. It's not what's best. It's not my will. I don't recommend it. I say no, but this is what your heart is set upon. Have at it. Have at it. Let's see what the result is. Money was driving Balaam. That's what all those New Testament references were about. He was, he, number one, he was there to deceive the people. He would end up deceiving the people of Israel, but he was all about money, money, money. And God's like, don't go. Okay, I see, and then here it is. The Lord's like, all right, um, your heart is hard towards what I have to say. So yeah, go with these guys. And this is only just exposing Balaam's heart that it's not for the Lord, it's for himself, and it's for however much money he can make. So he gets up the next morning. Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, started off with the Moabite officials, verse 22. But God was angry that Balaam was going, and he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. So again, his, uh, 
This is a quote from F.F. Uh, F. Bruce, one of my favorite commentators. What aroused God's anger was not that Balaam went, but it was his frame of mind. And God's like, I, it's almost like that thing of like, I'm so disappointed in you. I'm disappointed, which is worse, right? If you grew up, if you remember that with your parents or people you looked up to and you did something like me quite often and you heard that quite often of like, that's like, call me names, but don't tell me you're disappointed in me. Like, that's crushing. This is kind of what's happening here. God's like, you know my will in the story. You don't, don't go. But okay, you don't want to follow me. You don't want to listen to me. That's fine. Have your way. And then he gets up and what he was, he got up early in the morning, meaning he was eager to be on his way because he was eager to disobey God and his intent was to go and to curse God's people. So God is just opening up Balaam's heart and he's like, you, you don't care much about me at all. What you care about is a paycheck. That's what you care about. And so God sends the angel of the Lord, which is probably a pre-incarnate Jesus, um, is what a lot of commentators believe. Like this is Jesus who shows up and blocks the road. So he really should be getting the, you know, the hint here that God doesn't want him to go. But what he doesn't see, the donkey does, which is a sad state for humanity. Maybe we do need you know, some AI technology to help animals communicate because I think they get a lot of stuff we don't. I think they get a lot of stuff about God that we don't. I think if, if we could communicate with animals through AI, they could be like, uh, yeah, you need to worship Jesus because <laughs> he's coming back. Like, this donkey in the story, is he's, he's like the hero of the story, so to speak. So it says, as Balaam and the two servants were riding along, his donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the sword drawn in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at the place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. Then the donkey saw the angel of the Lord and tried to squeeze by, and it crushed Balaam's foot against the wall so that he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time the donkey saw the angel. It laid down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. And this is like, this is his, this is his donkey. Like, we're about to see. The donkey himself is going to tell you how much of a special relationship they had. Right? But he's just beating his donkey because the donkey's not being obedient. And you're like, well, wait a minute, Balaam, that's, that's you in this story. This is, it's not the donkey's fault, it's your fault. The donkey gets it. The donkey sees the angel of the Lord. Balaam never sees him until his eyes are opened up. It says, the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. Verse 28, what have I done to you that deserves you beating me three times? <laughs> right? So like right then and there, this is where the story just changes. And if I'm in Balaam's shoes, like I would hope I'd have the presence of mind to be like, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't go. Because like now the donkey's talking to me and he's never talked to me before. Nor have any animals actually ever really spoken in a, a human dialect before, ever. This donkey probably turns and looks at him and opens his mouth. The, the wording is almost like, it's like, almost like God was using the donkey as his puppet. But he's like, this donkey turns and just starts opening his mouth and he is formulating words and speaking to this guy, not, not like some birds and some other animals that can say words. We, you can watch YouTube videos on it um, all day if you want to. I don't recommend it, but you can. It's the same animals saying the same stuff. But they can only like mimic words. 
This donkey is like emulating coherent sentences. And he's asking, she is, it's asking questions. Why are you beating me? <laughs> like, what do you think? What, what, what did I do? Why are you hitting me with that rod? Three times you've beaten me. And it never clicks in Balaam's mind as far as what we know from the text. He never has a pause. He answers the donkey. He just <laughs> straight up answers the donkey. Like, like it's natural. Like it's his, one of the two guys riding with him. The donkey's like, what are you, what are you doing? Verse 29, Balaam, you made me look like a fool. Wait, made you look like a fool? You kind of, I mean, imagine the two servant guys who are riding with him. They're probably hearing the donkey speak too. And then now they're seeing Balaam arguing with the donkey. They're like, made you look like a fool? You kind of look like a fool right now. Like, if I was one of those guys, I'd been like, dude, I'm out of here, man. I've seen too many scary movies. I'm gone. Like, I don't know. I, I know how this kind of turns out, right? The donkey ends up killing us, I'm sure, right? Like, I'm gone. You have fun on your journey. But he's like, you made me look like a fool. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. You could, this is, again, his heart is slowly being revealed throughout the story. Driven by greed. And now he's like, he's so angry. He's so like just enraged against an, an animal that's done him no wrong. That he's like, Where's my sword? I'm going to kill you, is what he's saying. He had a sword with him, but praise God, he couldn't find it. He's like, man, you made me look like a fool. I'm going to kill you. Verse 30, donkey replies, but I'm the same donkey you've ridden all your life. It's been me and you. I'm your ride or die. He's like, we grew up together. Have I ever done anything like this before? The donkey's like, look, I'm just as confused as you are. I've never talked before. I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I, we, you've had me my whole life. And this is the first time for me to talk too, but there's somebody with a sword that I can't walk near or he'll kill us. This donkey is like, they're, they're having a conversation, an intellectual conversation. This is crazy. This seems like fairy tale stuff, but it's real. Balaam answers the donkey in the donkey's question. Have, have, you, have I ever done anything like this before? Donkey's like, no, I guess not, right? <laughs> like, what, what is going on? I, this is just one of the, if I could see this story, this would be the best thing ever to sit down and watch, right? Like, if I could just see this on the jumbo screen, like, this would be amazing to watch. Like, it's, this is what, like, they made cartoons of this stuff. He goes on to say, the Lord, verse 31, then the Lord opens Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a, with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his, his head and, his, and fell face down on the ground before him. And then this angel of the Lord, who I, I believe it, it, this is like a, this is a Jesus, a pre-incarnate Jesus, okay? Um, and that there's, there's a reason why most people think this way. But he, he has a sword and he's like, why'd you beat your donkey three times? <laughs> the Lord comes to the defense of the donkey first and foremost. He's like, hey. What are you beating that donkey for? Like, what are you doing? You've lost your cool, man. You can't be, have that short of a fuse. The donkey didn't do anything wrong. Leave the donkey alone. Why'd you beat your donkey those three times? The angel of the Lord demanded, look, I've come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me.
This has been another edition of Bread for the Broken, and all of us here are so glad that you joined us today. The message you just heard was from the Book of Numbers, where Pastor James has been camping out. Our existence could definitely be seen as dotted with hills, valleys, streams, and rivers, couldn't it? I wonder if we would realize the evidence of God in our lives if we were to map it out on a piece of paper. You'd see where he showed up and where he corrected behavior or maybe where he changed our course. Numbers is a book detailing the Israelites' desert stay after leaving Egypt. In it, we can see how disobedience and defiance don't go unnoticed. God is patient, but there comes a point when our actions deserve redirection, deserve a consequence. We can't follow God and obey what He says if our eyes are always focused on ourselves or our circumstances. So, what do you think? Are you ready for a shift in focus? Are you ready to find hope and new life in Jesus? If so, we'd love to pray with you and walk through that decision with you here at Bread for the Broken. Just visit us at breadforthebroken.com. Another way that you can connect with us is through our Facebook live stream. It's a great way to connect and learn from afar. We're a laid-back church in Galveston, Texas, that just wants to magnify Jesus at all ages. Will you help us in this mission? On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a donation link. It's easy to use, so we encourage you to check it out. We're so glad that you were able to sit and soak in the words of Jesus today with Pastor James. We look forward to meeting with you again next time, here on Bread for the Broken.